Hi, I'm Andy McGeady, and this is episode one of a podcast that is yet to be named. This week, look back at the first weekend of the European Rugby Champions Cup, or as we used to call it, the Heineken Cup. It's been around for a while, you know. Look at Ulster, look at Leinster, and look at Munster, who conceded 20 unanswered points to come back to win. And it's the first time they've managed that particular feat since 2008 in a match against Scarlet. Stuart Farmer, the statsman, dug that out for me. Not a habit you want to get into, conceding 20 unanswered points. We'll look at the TV battle of BT versus Sky, the new kids on the block versus... The lads have been around for a little bit longer. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. So the first weekend of the EP or C Champions Cup, or as we probably still think of it, the Heineken Cup. It's got a new dress and some new shoes, but it's the same it's the same lady we know and love underneath, and it's the one we've enjoyed for nineteen long years of of play, and I suppose in recent years we've enjoyed a lot of trophies as Irish rugby fans. Munster started off and it wasn't a great first 40 minutes for for anyone watching from uh, from this little island uh munster munster were terrible in that first half they conceded seven clean breaks in the first half uh i think seven seven rate penalties in the first half um they missed 13 or 14 tackles i mean it was just it was just really really poor uh but they turned around and they were very, very lucky in a way because they could have been even further behind. So if you already conceded 20 points in 15 minutes, that could have been worse when you consider the mistake that uh, the replacement referee, Laurent Cordona, made in blowing his whistle just a little bit too early. Um, and as it turned out, Tommy O'Donnell was, was fairly harshly yellow-carded, but I suppose they were going, well, we can't give the try. We messed that one up. Um, maybe we should give them something. So here, there's your yellow. Uh, and CJ Stander, that was a nice bright spot. 19 carries, 105 metres, man of the match. And he he did some damage there. He was just throwing people off him at one stage. But in a match where Munster missed a lot of tackles, especially in that first half, uh, and especially compared to some of the, how the other hookers, how the other Irish hookers got on over the weekend, Duncan Casey's worth a mention. Uh, 13 tackles from 13. Not bad. Take that out all day. He was the only Munster player to hit double figures in tackles, um, or even attempts, actually. And seven from seven at the line-out. So, if you're doing that at hooker, you're doing something right. And Munster came back. And I hope Ronan Agarra was on a commission uh, from Sky and commentator Mark Robson, because he was either named or referred to uh, for in fairly thinly veiled references, probably five or six times, up until Ian Keekley hit that lovely drop goal. And it was a nice way to start the weekend when we're being hammered by new this and new that, it's a better competition and whatever else. Yeah, let's have a classic Munster comeback. That works. I think that works on many levels. Um, we'll see how they get on this coming weekend. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a tough ask against Saracens. They were the runners-up last year. They could easily have won the competition. Uh, they're one of the best teams in Europe and they're travelling to Thoman Park, which has not been the fortress it once was for Munster, um, either this the start of this season or, or last. 
Um, seven forty-five p.m. on Friday is when is when we we get a sniff of that, and we'll see if uh, we'll see if Munster are the team that they they might think they are right now after that result, and and I suppose after their visit to Dublin when they um, they might have given their season the kickstart it needed. Next up from the Irish point of view, Ulster went to Welford Road, uh, face Leicester on Saturday night. It's a place they're used to going in recent times and, of course, they're not unused to winning. They were without Ruin Pinar, who was the architect of last season's win there, but, um, yeah, they too had a poor start. They were 19-3 down at half-time. In all, they conceded 22 unanswered points at one stage, having gone up 3-0, uh, but they came back. And they came back well, and it could have been closer. They they got the bonus point in the end. And if you're going to Welford Road, it doesn't matter how many injuries a Leicester side will have. If you can come out of there with a bonus point, that is not a disaster of a result. Especially in a competition where, for all the talk of, if you lose your first game or if you lose an away game, you're, you're gone. Well, you know, the other side of that coin is that there's a lot more teams there that can take points off each other on any day. So getting, making sure you don't come out of a game pointless, I think, is certainly the priority on your travels, along with winning your home games, which is what, no matter what the competition is called, that's what you're going to have to do anyway. Nick Williams, a little disappointing. When he plays, he plays to carry the ball, and he was on the pitch for 55 minutes, only carried the ball five times. Roger Wilson surpassed that in just 25 minutes on the field. On the other side of things... Um, Leicester's Mr. Salvi, uh, he gets around the pitch, he's up there in tackle figures all the time, he made 22 tackles against Ulster, uh, matching the figure actually that uh, Magnus Lund had for sale against Munster, and Joe Lunchbury had uh, for Wasps against Leinster the following day. Three Irish teams, um, people playing against them got a lot of tackles, it, something we might like to track and see if that's a theme, um, but I think it's just one of, uh, one of nature's nice little coincidences. Um, also would be very happy with their comeback not so happy with Paddy Jackson getting a kick charged down that shouldn't happen ever at that level um, but again that might be just something that's a little bit unusual uh, they have been very unlucky this week with the news that both uh, Andrew Trimble and Luke Marshall will be out injured for a while um, because their backs had been playing exceptionally well this season they'd got them all fit uh, Gilroy looks as if he's coming back with a nice bit of form Mr McCluskey in the centre is something that Irish rugby hasn't seen um, maybe ever a lot of that size and power in the centre maybe he's someone who we should be seeing brought into a training camp um, and seeing if he sinks or swims because we don't have a lot of games to the World Cup and there is a, a something that's very very different in centre but maybe I'm getting ahead of myself In Dublin on Sunday evening, it was Leinster to face Wasps. Again, going down in double figures. They were down 12 points at one stage before Ian Madigan brought them back to a more manageable nine-point deficit at half times. They were 11 points to 20 down at the half. They conceded two soft tries in that first 40. One, a long-range intercept, and two, a piece of absolute brilliance from wing Christian Wade, which nobody who was at the ground will forget in a hurry. 
that power, that pace to go around and just it was almost like video game acceleration to go round Ian Madigan, um, cruise past Dara Fanning and then dive headlong into the corner past Zane Kircher. And it was absolutely extraordinary. There were gasps in the press box. Um, everybody, both press and crowd, immediately looked round to the stand. Not, I think, to check if it was a try or not. I think most people knew that was a score. But just to see it again, to get visual confirmation of of what you'd seen with your own eyes, it, it was brilliant. Um, he isn't the complete rugby player. He's a little naive in defence, um, or maybe naive is a kind word. Maybe he's just not very good in defence. But if you can do that once a game, you can find a spot in many, many teams um, on this planet who play the game of rugby football. And it's something which, no matter what team you support or what team you're writing about, uh, it's just brilliant. And it's a pleasure to watch something like that. And the... On the pitch for Leinster, they'll have been disappointed with a couple of areas of their game. The tackling was not as good as it should be. A lot of people slipped off. The rate for the game was 80% and uh, they want to be hitting 90 really at that level. Uh, With the ball in hand, I suppose when you're without people like Keane Healy and Sean O'Brien, players who take an awful lot of ball on, then other people have to step up and the back row certainly did. Jamie Heaslip, 23 carries, Chipped in with 14 tackles. That's that's sort of your, your classic Heaslip day when he's really on, for, on form and firing. Um, but also Reese Ruddock and Dominic Ryan. 14 and 12 carries apiece. And of course Ryan chipped in with that try of his own. And then Jimmy Gopperth. He had 13 carries in the day and he, he ran well. He ran really, really hard into the line. And he also kicked intelligently and accurately, which might have been something missing in some recent performances from him. It was also notable that even though Ian Madigan was playing at fullback replacing Kearney and he's, he's at making a little habit of replacing injured people this season rather than getting a run at fly half as much as maybe he and others might like. But he dovetailed very, very well with Gopperth at times in that game. Uh, when you've got a player taking the ball hard into the line uh, from fly half, then when you're in that ruck at the bottom and you're being cleared out and and cleared over, then you need someone else to take that. So if you've got that extra receiver that Leinster have when they have both of them on the pitch and they get quick ball, then that can be very, very hard to defend. There was a lot of rooks that Leinster had and won in West 22. They won twenty. They won 47 rooks um, in West 22 in that game, which, which is quite a lot. And maybe Matt O'Connor might be a little disappointed that they didn't come away with more points from the game, but... You know, Wasps proved that you don't need Rooks to score. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of ways to score in this game. One of them involves barging over again and again and again, and the other one is to, to score from a little further out untouched. Um, the second one's probably a bit neater. But, uh, yeah, Leinster will take the win. 25-20, home win, not messing up. Again, Wasps, that was... Uh, they can beat anyone on their day, Wasps. They've got so much power, firepower. They missed James Haskell, a withdrawal with flu before kickoff. Um, and Sean Cronin, I suppose that's the other main area that Leinster might look at as the set piece. The scrum actually did okay. Uh, Michael Bent has been pilloried by many, including me. He's a soft target for the way, primarily because of the way he was brought over. It rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. Uh, and brought over from the Southern Hemisphere and parachuted essentially straight into an Irish squad for an Autumn International. The scrum did not disappear when he was there, uh, but he did miss three tackles in the game, and each of those led 
to a, a clean break, um, courtesy of our friends at Opta. That's probably on balance. Yeah, you probably take that. You've got at least a scrum that, that looked okay. They were shoved off the ball a couple of times in the first half, but they did respond with a couple of shoves of their own, which meant that, you know, you don't get into that situation where the referee is convinced that one team is, is just stronger than the other and therefore more inclined to get the penalty in this game. On the other side of the set piece, the line-out wasn't great. Uh, Sean Cronin had two crooked throws and then one overthrown, and the overthrow was particularly impressive since he threw it over Devon Toner, who's approximately 17 and a half foot tall. That's something which he he needs to get out of his game. His throwing has become a lot better uh, than it, when it was when he first came on the scene. Um, but... I suppose going back, something I didn't mention about the Ulster performance, uh, the Ulster lineup was, was horrific. They coughed up six throws. Not all of them were down directly to best, but obviously he's part of that unit. Um, that's not something you want to see from the Irish point of view. You want to see people throwing good darts. And it's something which, from the provincial point of view, they'll also need to fix, or they won't get away with it. But three wins, sorry, two wins, one bonus point. That's not a bad haul from the weekend. When you consider the strength of the pools that they're in, yeah, I think that's a decent uh, a decent return for the Irish sides this weekend. No matter what this competition is called, Heineken, sponsored by Heineken, in partnership with Heineken, first founding partner Heineken with Heineken Cup Men of the Match. It's still the competition that, that we know and we love and we live for every season when it rolls around and we pine for when it goes away. No matter what anyone can do to it, we love the European Rugby Cup. And now we've got a new broadcast partner this year. We've got BT Sport alongside Sky. And it's one of the things that Sky had probably done pretty well over the years. Maybe one might associate Sky with a bit of flash. You know, maybe a little bit too much enthusiasm for what mightn't have been a great game of football when they first came on the scene. And no, they've been they've been pretty good at the Heineken Cup. And everyone got a bit worried when it seemed that maybe they won't have it anymore. We'd got used to them in our living rooms. And on come BT Sport, Craig Doyle and the lads. And... For anyone who's seen the their coverage of the Aviva Premiership, it's it's genuinely good. It's it's a little different. They've got a three man commentary booth for one thing, uh, which is something that's a little bit more common in the US. It's not common here, um, but it it works pretty well. It's a little more sort of jockey, little more jocular, but in the evening, as I say, I think they do a good job. The Heineken Cup, the sorry, European Cup coverage was a little bit different this weekend. Uh, yes, they're finding their feet, getting into a groove with a different kind of atmosphere, but they were trying maybe a little bit too hard. That was a, certainly a noticeable difference between the two, um, the two stations this weekend. Sky were very, very much that the party line was, this is a continuation of what we had before for 19 years and wasn't it brilliant there and it will continue to be brilliant now and it's more of the same. It's the history. We are the guys who've been here all along. And on BT, a lot of it was, isn't this new? Isn't this so much better? 
there's there's so much more good stuff now that it's not the Heineken Cup anymore. It's the new cup sponsored by Heineken and completely different. And we are BT and this is better. I think a little bit less of that and just let the action speak for itself would be better. The rugby audience and the audience for this competition in particular are educated. They know what they're seeing and they don't need as much of a build up as perhaps you might think they do. But more of the same, please. Um, it's been a, a very, very good weekend. Uh, some excellent games, some surprising results. I think a lot of people in, in England and perhaps France will have been surprised by Bath going uh, to Glasgow and getting absolutely hammered. Um, that was great, <laughs> I think, from someone who does most of his work in the Pro 12. It was uh, it was invigorating to see such a result because anyone watching the Pro 12 has seen how good Glasgow have been over the last few seasons. They can, they can dish out a beating to anyone, uh, especially if you go there and perhaps not expecting it. Treviso's hammering uh, in Wales at the hands of the Ospreys was perhaps a little more predictable. Treviso have had a rough go. They've lost they've had a huge player turnaround. Basically, you know, in round figures, 20 in, 20 out. I don't think any team can, can really survive that. And Ospreys had won 6 of 6 going in. Treviso had lost 6 of 6 going in. That's the kind of thing that happens uh, in games like that. Saracens beating Claremont, great win. Claremont certainly had all the uh, all the inspiration they'd have needed after getting their backsides handed to them in the Twickenham semi-final last season, which was one of the more remarkable uh, matches at that level I, I think I've ever seen. Um, but Saracens did the job. Uh, it was a there was some good good try scored in that game. If you can go back and watch the highlights, I recommend it. Um, some some really really good wing play. And, yeah, I'll stop now. More of the same, please. We love it every year. It looks as if the new competition will, will go along the old lines. Maybe a few, a few less of the, a few, fewer of the big upsets now that the, we have fewer minnows in the pools. But we'll see what is to come. There'll be shocks along the way, I'm sure. The new shape of the pools means that maybe there is that little bit less of a, uh, of room for error, especially early on. But don't forget, if there's more tough teams in the pools, then more teams are taking points off each other. And that shouldn't be discounted either. So uh, we've got a few weeks left. One more round here before we uh, get back into league play. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what turns up next week. In the meantime, yeah, this has been The View from the Cheap Seats. Talk to you next time.